Enjoy P32 shampoo. <laughs> P32. It'll leave you glowing. I feel so hot. <laughs> Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. Today on the show, we talk with a former graduate student who chose to step off the PhD track and finish with a master's. Spoiler alert, she's happy. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 24. I'm Joshua Hall. I'm Daniel Erneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. How's it going, Dan? Fantastic, sir. It's always going well when we get together to podcast. That's right. It's the happiest day of the week. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> well, as you can hear, we have a guest this week. Hey, guys. Yeah, look over there. And in the studio, no less. In the studio, we have our good friend, Stephanie Gettings. How's it going, Stephanie? Going good, guys. Good. Stephanie, welcome to Hello PhD Studios. It's pretty fantastic, huh? Thank you. Yes, it's excellent. Can you believe all the gold inlays and trim on everything? <laughs> the jade is really what caught my it's, eye. It's just beautiful. We've imported that. We have. And so, Stephanie, one of the benefits of being here live in the studio is you get to drink beer with us. Yeah, special ethanol. Um, what did you serve tonight, sir? Well, Stephanie being our guest, I let her choose the beer. And by choose the beer, I meant I had three different beers in my fridge, and she got to choose which one she wanted. <laughs> choice. And it was Bad Penny, which is always a good choice. That is right. We are drinking our very own from here in North Carolina, from Raleigh. We have the Big Boss Bad Penny Brown Ale. Who's on the label there? It's Penny, of course. You think that's her name? Is she, she bad? <laughs> she looks bad to me. Okay. We Actually, solved that mystery. Looks like quite a nice lady. She's got some flowers, flowers in her hair. Quite a nice penny is what this beer is not called. This looks like an infographic, Dan. There's some little people that probably indicate some number. The number of people she's killed. Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, uh, so a brown ale. You guys like brown ales? I do like brown ales. Yeah. This is a good one. Yeah. It's not an IPA. I don't know why I'm drinking it. <laughs> That's true, Dan. <laughs> Hopefully you can stomach this. Uh, what do you guys think of this beer? Uh, Bad Penny is, I feel like, really well balanced, um, and I like the hops that they use because it has kind of like a copper highlight to it, um, which I think is probably why they named it Bad Penny. Interesting. It's quite good. Wow, that was like a word origin in the <laughs> ethanol section. <laughs> Do you know what those hops are? We should look that up. We should. I wouldn't be surprised if there was Cascade in there, but... Always can count on some Cascade hops. Yeah. Um, I like with this brown ale, and a lot of brown ales, you definitely get that nutty overtone a little bit in there yeah. i like that malts are good fantastic so we should tell everybody why stephanie is sitting in the studio with us because she's cool good point point. and i like beer and she likes beer and she likes beer <laughs> so one of the reasons we have stephanie here today is we hope this could be the start of maybe a series but stephanie as you are going to hear she made the very challenging decision to Finish with a master's degree. She was in a PhD program. <gasps> Can we insert like violin dun, dun, dun. tracks? Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie was a former PhD student who decided to leave with a master's degree. Is that correct, Stephanie? That is correct. Yep. And and the thing that you can probably tell by listening to her is she's still alive today. I am. I see her here. And she and seems to be doing well. 
life. And enjoying life. So I feel like, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like hanging around the academia, PhD school um, environment for long enough, there's kind of this weird stigma with people who decide, you know what, the PhD thing, I don't really need that for my life. That's not really working out for me. Um, and who make that decision. Well, we talked about a few weeks when I was in grad school, I was absolutely miserable, the the yeah. low point of my life. And I I was terrified of leaving. And I, yeah. I finally got up the courage to write this letter to my boss to say, look, I'm done. This is not for me. It's not what I wanted. And I ended up staying through whatever circumstances, you know, it was, it was kind of random. But, but your boss said, no, you can't I leave. remember just my stomach twisting, thinking like, oh, I'm going to have to tell my boss and I'm going to have to tell my family. And it, it was so nerve wracking and I don't understand why. It's like, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't feel that way if I left my job or if, I, you know, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, so what we hope to accomplish with talking to you today, Stephanie, is really just for you to share your experiences going through that process. Uh, but also, now that you are several years removed from that, yeah. you can tell us and our listeners a little bit about looking back on it, how it's been a positive thing for your life. It has been. And what you've learned from the process. And hopefully at the end, give some advice to, to other students who might be having similar thoughts. Yeah, so get us started. What took you to graduate school? You you must have had something that led you there in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I really always enjoyed science. Um, and I decided in the ninth grade that science is what I wanted to do. And Late I bloomer, apparently. I didn't know in what, you know, shape, form, or fashion. You know, I didn't know if I would go to med school or if I would do science, um, but I always enjoyed it. Um, and so basically in the ninth grade, I decided that that is what I was going to do. So. Undergrad, what did you do? Uh, I went to Louisiana State University, um, really big school, um, and I got my degree in biology, um, and it, and I also did like fellowships during the summer, so I did like a Howard Hughes Medi- uh, Medical uh, Institute fellowship one summer, and um, I did another fellowship uh, with the UNC Department of Pharmacology another summer. Um, working in labs. And so basically, uh, I started working in labs uh, my sophomore, no, my freshman year in college. So first I worked for a mammologist and then I worked for a herpetologist and, uh, that's where I first ran DNA gels. That was entertaining. Mm -hmm. So looking back on that now, um, after all the gels that I've run now, um, it's, it's entertaining. Lost a little bit of its (laughs) magic by now, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So... Yeah. So, so by every measure, a very successful biologist and undergraduate student. I mean, if you saw mm-hmm. this application come across your desk, Josh, you'd slam dunk. Yeah, you'd yeah. snap it up. Yeah. And so, so then you entered a PhD program. What kind of program was that? I did. So it was the Department of Pharmacology at UNC. Um, and I moved up from Louisiana to North Carolina to go to grad school. Um, and that was, that was a big move. Um, I'd been in Louisiana my whole life. Um, and it was, it was awesome. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, when you entered graduate school, your it was like your dreams were realized. Yeah. You're like, I finally made it to this thing that I've been working towards since the ninth grade. Yeah. And I've got to ask, what did you imagine it would be like? Did you have a sense for, for, or, or was it still this ninth graders vision of like science? Um, I had worked in labs long enough that I, I understood, um, 
at least like projects and research and lab meetings and things like that. So I had a basic understanding. You knew that not everything worked? Of that, yes. I don't think I knew that until much yeah. later. Yeah. Experiments so you weren't you weren't blind time, to so. the no not at the all. reality of what laboratory work is i mean that was my not experience and i'm sure a lot of people get into graduate school and have no idea what to expect yeah yeah um i feel like the people in my program who did the best are ones who did techs for years because i had a basic understanding of the research and um, experiments and timing and things like that um, but I was always very uh, heavily mentored um, whereas in grad school I was not as much um, that's an interesting observation I'd, it probably depends a lot on the lab right yep exactly but you got into one that there was not quite that amount of of collaboration and working together yeah there was not a lot of support in the lab that I ended up joining and I think that was a lot of the the issue. And so, so what happened? What, what did that lead to in your research? Um, well, basically, I did the same experiment over and over for about two years with no results. And I would petition my PI for different projects. Um, and I would say, okay, this isn't working. You know, I need some help. And, you know, it was never forthcoming. Um, I didn't get paired up with a postdoc. The postdoc that I had started with, um, his fellowship ended and he moved back to Holland. I was really kind of on my own. Um, and so I would petition him for other projects and things, and they always kind of got met with, eh, you know, but you can't really order $500 worth of antibodies without the green light. So, yeah was not the green light. <laughs> yeah, that's not a signature and a date. That's not legally binding. You know, do you remember the, the turning point where you knew, okay, it's time to leave? Yeah, I do. Um, so I'm pretty close with my mom. Um, and we talked probably weekly on the phone. And um, the turning point for me is um, I didn't exactly have an easy childhood. And talking to my mom on the phone one day, I was trying to debate, like, if I should leave, if I should stay. Um, at that point in time, I did not know anyone else who had ever left the program. Um, and I had fought pretty hard to stay in the program. Those people are, are hidden away intentionally, I think. Yes, yes. Um, you know, they did not speak of them. And um, so there, there really wasn't any structure there I felt like that I could lean on or ask questions to. Um, so would you say even at that time, you were, you were aware yourself of the stigma Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and not just of the stigma of leaving, but the stigma of just pharma in general. So academia kind of has this like golden halo around it that, you know, it's kind of like the gold standard to which everyone should be in. And I was told that if you go into pharma, like you'll work on a project, you know, and pour your heart out for it for three years. And then all of a sudden the money will change hands and the project will get taken from you. And it's evil. Um, I'm, I'm and laughing miserable. over here because I heard the same story <laughs> from different people. It must mm -hmm. be part of this like ghost story campfire tale that we just tell each other like yeah. oh did you hear that in pharma you can't do anything you like well yeah. and, you know i think about my own path and i remember the best thing about transitioning from grad school to my postdoc was the fact i got to do a different project so in some ways the <laughs> idea of switching projects every three years sounds awesome yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah so it was a stigma not just of leaving um the program in general but in leaving academia at all um, that, that it was kind of, um, uphill from. Sure. So, so you said you're talking to your mom. 
Yeah, so I was talking to her on the phone, and um, and I was trying to decide whether to stay or go. And if I did decide to leave with my master's, would my PI even support that? Would I even be able to get a master's, or would I just be kicked out completely on the spot? Um, I didn't really know what the outcome of a conversation like that would be, so I hadn't even initiated the conversation at all with my PI, and I was debating this and you know it was kind of like I've worked my entire life you know since a teenager uh, to get to this point and so to walk away from it um, felt like a failure you know it it felt like I was giving up um, but I think what really hit the light bulb for me is um, my mom said this is the most miserable you've ever been um, and that was light bulb moment for me um, like she I, knew it did you know it at that time you know, I don't think I did. Um, like I said, I didn't have an easy childhood, so it's not like I was a, um, uh, I hadn't ever been in hard situations before. Um, yeah, you didn't expect a cakewalk, right? Yeah, no, I, and I absolutely didn't. Um, so, so yeah, so that kind of, I really thought about it for a long time after that. Um, and I, I went away on vacation for a week um, and kind of, took my time and mulled about it and thought about it. Um, and when I got back, you know, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. You know, that I, I needed to, I needed a shift. I needed to pursue something else. Um, because I wasn't happy where I was and I couldn't see the situation changing. Not that it couldn't have. I know people who, you know, weren't happy in their undergrad and did, you know, have better postdocs and, you know, professorships after that. Um, but I, I couldn't see that path for myself um, with what you it You couldn't entailed. imagine how it would change that would make it better make in the it way okay. it needed to be better. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that speaks to me too. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, then when you, so then when you got back from that vacation, is that when you had the talk with your PI? Yeah. So my PI is kind of hard to nail down. Um, but I finally did. I was able to get a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him. Um. And so I, I sat down and, you know, and I said, okay, I, I think, I think this is a decision that I've made for myself. I, I, I think I, I want to leave with my master's. Um, and that's one. He clutched his heart and <laughs> fell to the floor. <laughs> I think that was me. Okay. <laughs> can I, can I ask how far along were you at this point? Um, I was four years in. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that was, um, July. Um, you know, I had been on vacation and came back and had that conversation. Um, and I think I feel very fortunate at this point that, um, he was very supportive in that. Um, so I had enough data that I could go ahead and write my master's. Um, I had a couple more experiments that I had to tie up, but really that only took a few weeks. Um, so I had enough data at that point to go ahead and write. Um, and so then basically I took... Oh, I don't know. Um, eight weeks maybe to write my dissertation. Um, and so at that point, so I finished a few experiments in lab and then I stepped back from lab and just wrote full time um, for about eight weeks, which was probably the most grueling <laughs> thing <laughs> that, I've ever done. I think that's the, always the case, whether it's your master's thesis or your yeah. PhD yeah. thesis. Yeah. Writing for eight weeks is just a pain. Yeah. So in like 14, 15 hour days in front of the computer. Yeah. Most yeah. of it probably staring blankly. Hardcore. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but he was very supportive when I decided to shift, um, and that was really good. Um, I needed that. 
So one of the things you mentioned also was you had some trepidation because, you know, if you're on the PhD track, it's kind of laid out, you know, what the process is, what the next steps are. And one challenge with thinking about going the master's route was not even knowing yeah, there what was, that entailed. There was no groundwork laid for that. There was no protocol or process set out for that. So was um, your department supportive? So once you made that decision, you talked to the PI. Yeah. Did everything kind of fall into place or was that challenging? Um, it wasn't actually that challenging. So um, I know for some people, um, now I know other people who've gone through the same process it was. It really depends on how on board your PI is. Um, you know, if the PI doesn't want you to leave, they can make it pretty difficult for you. Um, but if the PI is supportive, you know, then it's, it's not that bad. It's the same essentially as writing your, you know, dissertation, your PhD dissertation, um, your thesis and, you know, and going through the same process. Um, so, you know, I still had to meet with my, my board, um, and I had to get, you know, the green light from all those guys, um, so yeah, but it was it was pretty kind of up in the air. So before you have that conversation with your PI, you you don't know what's going to happen. You know, that's you know? interesting as you talk about that. I mean, I know plenty of of friends and graduate students who had a challenge leaving with their PhD because they had PIs yeah, it's who the same didn't thing. want to let them go, that's right? right? It's the same thing. Like They're the generating system, data. Yeah, you're kind of beholden to your PIs to sign off. I guess on one one regard, that's why you have a committee and sometimes mm-hmm. students don't rely on their committee enough, but I guess it is a similar process. Yeah, so that process ended up being very similar. Um, so then, okay, so your PI was supportive. That's great. Yeah. What about the other people in your life? What about other faculty or your fellow students or your family? Did you Did you encounter any resistance at all once you made that decision and made it public? I did. Um, so... My parents were really supportive. Um, some other kind of friends in academia were not. Um, my closest friends in graduate school were. Um, and, you know, I mean, they were not, you know, uh, naive of the struggle, you know, of grad school. Um, so they weren't. Um, and it, It's like the people that, that know you and recognize what you are going through are probably going to support you. The people that say, oh, I can't believe that a person would do this. Yeah. Or, or even maybe the people that have thought about it themselves, but they're trying to like stick it out and they don't like to see somebody else maybe I, go. And I think that's exactly it. I think it scared the pants off of a lot of people um, because it is a struggle. And the whole reason that they're sticking it out is because they said they have, they were going to do this thing and this is the process by which it happens. Um, so just the fact fact it made it more visible that it is a choice um and i think that really scared the pants off a lot of people yeah Yeah. would you have supported me josh if i had left (laughs) i tried not never because i didn't want to be alone yeah that's true (laughs) you're leaving me (laughs) we talked several weeks ago about how you tried to become a dentist in your first year so (laughs) all for one and one for all yeah Yeah. um yeah So so it was interesting so some people did and some people didn't it was a mixed bag um so you finished, you finished the, the dissertation or the thesis, you turned mm-hmm. it in. Yeah. That first day of I'm done, what do you feel? Um, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> oh, actually, I No, I mean, are you like bored? Are you let down? Are you I excited? I slept a lot and I put my computer away and I didn't pick it up for like three days because um, I had been literally sitting in front of the computer for 15 hours a day for months. Um, yeah. So I slept. Um, 
Did you feel relief? Were you glad it was done? <laughs> it was a Were huge you? relief. Um, yeah, yeah. So did you have a job lined up? Or? I did not. I did not. Um, so at the point that I defended, um, I mean, because I was writing my dissertation, I mean, your mind is wholly absorbed in that. You know, there's no way I could job search and have done it at the same time. Um, and so uh, once I defended, um, then I kind of took a little break, uh, maybe like a week, I think. Um, and regrouped. Um, and then I started job searching. Um, and at that point, kind of like my heart's desire, since I could remember I had been on science. So at that point, I had to decide for myself, like, what did I want my life to look like? What kind of job do I want? Do I want to pursue more school? Or do I want to stick with what I have? Um, and so kind of what I told myself is I decided if I could not do what my passion was, then I would at least do something that, um, funded me well enough that I could do my passions after, um, after work hours. Pretty, pretty pragmatic and sensible actually. Yeah. And so I literally, I went on, um, you know, websites and I searched jobs and I looked at kind of like their five year median, um, like basically what people who'd been in the job for five years made. Um, and I knew I wanted to stay in science so I could at least still be involved in it, even if I didn't do bench work. Um, and so what I found was clinical trials. Um, and so I started applying for jobs, uh, around clinical trials. So that way I can still be in the science. I still read protocols. I'm still involved in drug development. My master's is in pharmacology, which is drug development. So it basically just flipped me to the other side from preclinical research to postclinical research. So how long have you been doing that? Oh, gracious. So 2008, um, I got my first job. So seven years, that's seven years. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And what do you think? It's the right decision. Awesome. decision? It is the best decision I ever made. <laughs> um, what so, do you, what do you like about it? Like what, what does that fulfill that, that the bench work just couldn't cut? Um, you know, I get to be very involved in um, drugs going to market, which in pharmacology and in research, you do a lot of the preliminary research, but it's such a long road for drugs to go through the pipeline that what you work on in preclinical research, you'll be lucky if it goes to market in about 15, 20 years. You know, I'm maybe- setting my watch now. Yeah, maybe 10 if it's fast-tracked, if it's like a rare disorder. We had some bourbon last week that got to market faster than that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Nine years. Um, yeah, so I still get to stay in the science. I, you know, I read protocols and things, and I design databases for clinical trials, and um, it's a lot of fun. So actually, you know, I work on mostly oncology trials. So um, uh, my uh, grad school stuff was in in uh, cancer and immunology research. So I still am in the same kind of genre. Um, as far as that goes, um, in that field. And, and so now I, I, I'm just on the other side of it. Um, so it sounds like you found a way to apply your experience in oh, a, yeah. in a new way that actually makes you happy. Now, yeah. what is the, you said you, you looked at the five-year meetings and found work that would support you, yeah. um, to do the other things that you like. So what else do you like? 
Oh, uh, well, I live in the boonies and I have a 45 acre farm. Uh, I have chickens and bees and a big garden. I sell at farmer's market. I have a small business that I make soap and sell to about 30 stores in the area. Josh can observe me turning um, green with envy right now. <laughs> we, we are a big fan of bees on the show. I don't know if you knew that, but I don't. Also, yeah. I want all those things. I need some chickens. Yeah. Uh, they were flying today. Our bees were, I went out there and talked to the hive and they're doing good. Not the so. chickens. I, I talked to them too. Um, oh, they weren't flying. They weren't flying. No, no. no. Um, so they they do like to fly, especially if I come with treats. Um, but they're molting right now, so so they're they're a little bit more subdued at the moment. So you said you make soap. I do make soap, and that's that's kind, kind of, of like science, right? It is. So that's kind of how that all started. Actually, it's not kind of like science. <laughs> It's chemistry. It is. Detergents. I have a lab coat and I have a stir plate and, you know, I have a blender. So, yeah, I have I have all kinds of things. Pumpkin spice? So, holiday spice. Holiday Hang spice. Hang on. One very important question. Where did you obtain your stir plate? Um, <laughs> As she ran out the lab on the last day of her master's degree. She put it under her lab so coat she took off She walked door. away through with a big friends. grin on her face and a stir plate through under her arm. Friends. Through yeah. friends. Okay. Well, we will um, not press further <laughs> to find out so what you kind said, of felony has been committed. So you said you, you sell your soap uh, locally. Do you I sell do. online? I do. I sell online. So it's Red Mountain Goodness. Um, and, you know, for me, it's kind of funny. It started actually when I was in lab because... Um, I came across an article in one of the oncology journals I was reading, and it was like seven carcinogens commonly found in beauty care products. And I was like, oh. There's only seven? <laughs> surprise. Oh, that's common, better than I thought. One. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it was kind of funny. So, like, I read it, and I was like, oh, no, I use all organic and, you know, natural and blah, 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 you know. So I kind of put it in my, you know, foot-high pile of research papers to read, which you never actually see the bottom of <laughs> read the abstracts accounts. Yeah. Um, so, but about a week later I came back to that paper and was like, Oh, I've been kind of thinking about that. And so I actually grabbed the paper and I brought it home with me. Um, and I found that a lot of the stuff I was using, you know, shampoo was like four out of seven conditioner, three out of seven. And I was just like, I had never thought to read soap labels before right i read food labels yeah or if you did read your soap labels you wouldn't know that they were carcinogenic just from the name yeah well and a lot of things that were really funny is a lot of them were um you know reagents that we use in labs so like uh sls and azide bromide bromide wasn't in there but yeah enjoy p32 shampoo (laughs) p32 it'll leave you glowing i feel so hot Well, hello, PhD listeners. Christmas is coming, and uh, if you would like to pick up some of this very special non-carcinogenic soap for loved ones, we will put the link on our website. That's right, and this is much better than our last stocking stuffer idea. So I really hope <laughs> definitely that, true. Uh, Stephanie, don't go back and listen to the last episode. But yeah, we will definitely link that in the show notes. Um, yeah, I know I'm going to get some for the holidays. Okay, so last question: Do you have any advice for other people considering the same type of transition? Um. You know, my biggest advice would probably be to follow your heart and make choices based on that and not on fear. Um, That's a big one because fear can tie you to a lot of things that in the end won't make you happy. Yep, that is is so true. That's my main memory of that time is like, I'm so afraid of this, 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 and this. Most of them probably not even realities but i was afraid of them yeah yeah and you know like going and talking to your pi about something and you have no idea 
where that conversation is even going to go. Um, yeah, but not be scared to have tough conversations, even if in the end you and your PI talk and you decide that, Hey, you really do want to finish, you know, and maybe that's the, you know, the, the fire under your PIs, but that needed a reminder for that person to get more support in place for you. So, you know, it doesn't even have to have really like an end goal, but having the tough conversations that you need to have. Yeah. Just being honest about where you are and what yeah. you need. Yeah. So Stephanie, do you uh, do you have any regrets or anything you would do differently if you could go back? You know, I've been thinking about that and I really don't. Um, it really was the best decision that I ever made. And, you know, I, I had a lot of, you know, um, my parents were supportive, but I had a lot of other family members that were not supportive and actually really tried to talk me out of it. Um, but, you know, I, I really decided that I had to do, I had to follow my heart. I had to go and do something that even if, how to phrase this, um, I knew I wasn't happy where I was at. Um, and I didn't see the path changing down the road. Um, and I needed to make a choice that honored where I was and, um, and what I felt. Um, so, so yeah, great, but it's literally the best decision I ever made. So, um, I will like put in this little plug. So, Basically, when all my peers who were in the same class I was were struggling through postdocs and trying to figure out how to, you know, start families and things like that. And a really, you know, postdocs can be pretty tough and they don't pay a lot and things like that. And I was basically making double what they all oh, were making. Burn. So, uh, yeah, the uh, stark <laughs> life differences were um, pretty apparent within about a couple we of years. We talk about postdoc pay quite regularly <laughs> on the show. After yeah. this episode airs, the mass exodus <laughs> PhD programs across the country. Yeah. Yeah. So, Stephanie, uh, that was fantastic. I bet the second best decision you ever made in life will be coming on this podcast <laughs> and now participating in our Word Origin Puzzle of the Week. Yeah, oh, we gosh. we probably didn't wor- warn you about yeah, this. Yeah, I have not have. been warned about okay. this. Well, Josh, Josh thinks he has a line on this week's puzzle. So I do. The clue last week was: when you expose this element to oxygen, it emits a faint glow, earning it the name light bearer. What do you have, Dan? I got you, out my periodic table. This I know week, you did, and I went through one by one. Not hydrogen. And I think I got it. Not helium. I'm thankful it wasn't one of the last elements because that would have taken me a while. Not Einsteinium. <laughs> I'm going to go with phosphorus. Oh, you got it. Fantastic. That's, that's great. My drought has come Ring to an bell. end. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, phosphorus. Wait, com- where, where's my tutor? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> so that comes from, uh, it comes through Latin from Greek, phos, light, and um Forest, which comes from ferine, which is to carry. So you'll, if you see P H O R in something, usually means something that is carried. So aquaphor. Yeah. So look for that in future clues. If you hear me say something is carried, you will know that that is the, uh, that is where I'm leading you. There and you go. Phosphorus. No, you have to have the history piece of oh, the word. History. You can't just it. jump ahead. <laughs> uh, it is the first element discovered that we know who the discoverer was. <laughs> If you can believe that. So it was purified from urine by Henning Brand, a merchant and alchemist of Hamburg in 1669. The urine guy. I, I don't think that's what they called him, but that's, that's how you call him. <laughs> that's what we call him now. <laughs> okay, well, let me give you next week's clue. 
Uh, here it is. The horns of an impala are made of bone covered by this structural protein. I'll read it again. The horns of an impala are made of bone covered by this structural protein. I'm looking for a scientific word described by the clue, and once you get it, you'll find the literal meaning of that science word as a phrase in the clue itself. If you think you know the answer, email it to puzzle at hellophd.com, and I will randomly select a winner from all the correct responses and send the lucky puzzler an Amazon gift card. So you don't it's mean... Stephanie knows the answer. You don't mean an impala, the car, and the horn, beep, beep. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did not even think of that. No, I mean the animal. The animal, okay, just a clarification there. The loping. <laughs> yeah. I expect lots of answers. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming and talking to us. I this appreciate week. it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Josh. I got a lot out of this. This is great. I've, I've my heart is now like full of of happiness to have talked to another person who had the same experience I did. Absolutely. Yep. And if any of our listeners have any reactions or things they want to say about the episode this week, or if you've got something you want to discuss on the show, you can email us podcast at hellophd.com or send us a tweet at hellophd or connect with us on the Facebook page. We will be back at you again next week. Dan, Stephanie, we'll see you later. See ya. Thanks, guys. <laughs>